Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics, also going live on the Twitch channel of Focused Infinity. Focused Infinity is run by my old high school buddy Logan, who is also a great content creator himself. And together we're going to be discussing the topic of how do you consume media with a critical eye? What does it mean to look at the stuff you loved as a kid and think, this hasn't aged well? How do you make decisions about what to consume and what not? When is it okay to just have a bit of an escapist fantasy and when are things just... The justice part of it just doesn't make sense for you. All that more we're going to discuss right after this commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back. Once again, I'm Matthew, your host. And as I said, I'm joined tonight by uh, Logan Grendel. Uh, Logan is uh, someone I've known for many, many years. We went to high school together. We were in uh, musical theater together. And we've continued to uh, bond and talk over uh, many years about politics and media and all sorts of great things. Logan's been a guest on my podcast a couple of times before and has recently been doing a lot of his own great content creation. Uh, and that really got me thinking about wanting to have him back on. And so we started talking about um, this topic of how do we view things with a, with a critical eye. So, Logan, how are you doing tonight? I am doing pretty well. How about yourself? Not bad, not bad. You know, uh, obviously a little bit's going on in the world right now. We're all kind of uh, <laughs> doom-scrolling to some extent. Yes, indeed. Nice to, uh, it's kind of fitting what we're doing, actually, because we're, t- we're, we're taking a break somewhat to uh, escape from that and, and talk about pop culture, but also talking about how it's, sometimes it's hard to just, you know, escape in a pop culture because we bring all these conversations with us. What's your kind of general philosophy? I mean, just kind of getting started on this topic of, you know, how is it for you to, um, to, to navigating these questions of enjoying pop culture where often a lot of times the values of it or the ideas of it don't really fit with uh what you might want them to be uh yeah it is a super interesting question and um it's definitely one that i think about a lot and i'm glad we're discussing it um yeah how i Mm -hmm. engage with it is uh well unfortunately less and less in general but uh, when i do i do a lot more thinking about what it is and who's creating it and who's making money from it and who is it supporting? Um, because, you know, yeah. we are we are the system as much as we don't like to think of it that way. Like we, we like to think of the system as outside of us. But one of the big lessons about the current time for me is that we are uh, in, in ways great and small, the system and the ways that we play into it are, are very important. And even those of us who are otherwise knowledgeable and, you know, tuned in. Mm-hmm. We all have our, our vices, and a lot of those vices come in the form of pop culture. Our favorite fandoms, our favorite music, our favorite movies, things like that are just all ways that we participate, sometimes unwittingly and sometimes, you know, with a sort of hands-thrown-up approach to it because yeah. there is only so much you can do to avoid it. Um, but but there are ways, mm-hmm. but there are ways, and I think, um, you know, we will yeah. talk about some of those. Definitely. And I, and I like especially the point you're getting to about the throw your hands up that um, one of the phrases that I think we're going to keep coming back to is the, the I forget exactly who said it. Maybe, you know, but the the idea that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism um, and just the idea of like, what does it mean to, you know, maybe try to be to, to really be as focused as you can on, 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 on living out your values, living out justice uh, as you see it in the media you consume and, and, and how close to that can we get and where are there compromises or where, where should there not be compromises? Yeah, I'm not 100% certain who first said uh, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but um, mm-hmm. I I find myself thinking about that saying all the time 
because sometimes it is yeah. used as an excuse, right? Because the basic idea mm. is true, certainly. But also some people who are otherwise leftists will say it basically to to say, well, you know, I'm going to shop on Amazon because there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Therefore, every purchase I make is equal. And that I 100% disagree with. Uh, and I think that's right. that's kind of why we're talking about this right now. It's like, you know, m consuming critically as opposed to just saying that everything is all the same since the system is so broken. Exactly. And I think what you just said is such an important part, especially because it gets to what I think is kind of my overall thought on this question. And, and, and from talking to you a bit, I imagine you're in a kind of similar place, which is that I don't think there's any one way to say, like, here's the line and, you know, something can be. 90% good and it's okay to do, but if it's 85%, like it, it doesn't work like that. So much of this is about everyone picking our own battles, you know, and figuring out what is the things that mean the most to you, you know, and for someone it might be, um, you know, anything involving sexual violence. They just, they will never watch. They cannot consume. They can't do it. But, but something else that might bother, you know, something that else that might bother someone else, they're not as concerned with, you know, and that, um, or just that, you know, they say, I'm going to do my best to kind of be as ethical as I can in, in this part of consumption, but but there's this other area where I, I need to at least, you know, do some kind of a break. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about here is how do you find, how do you figure out for yourself, like, what's the stuff you consume? What's the stuff you don't? In ways that aren't about, you know, being self-righteous and telling everyone else what to do, but just figure out how, how does it not become what you just said, the complacency of, well, since everything is a little bit corrupt, any decision I make is bad, so I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. Right. Um, that's a good question. The For me, it's – and I mean this is not uh, – it's not a hard and fast rule and I don't have like a spreadsheet where I, where I write down things and, yeah. and figure it out. But, you know, there's generally like, you know, let's say four categories, right? We have things that I'm mm -hmm. super happy to support. We have things that are cool. We have things that are problematic and we have things that are unconscionable. And – Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are sort of just a, it's a rough outline of anything that I'm consuming, whether it be like, you know, literal products or, or movies or, or books, whatever it is, music. Um, so mm -hmm. those are sort of the categories that I put things into. And the rest of it is, I mean, honestly, and I think that this is true for everyone to some degree, but the rest of it is just based on how I feel about certain things. Right. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I will give a, you know, not a pass to things that are unconscionable. But things that are problematic, I will give a pass to because of my emotional attachment to them. And I just acknowledge that as, as a function yeah. of my humanity, right? It's just I, I do have yeah. to acknowledge my humanity and also let myself enjoy things when they are not – when they don't cross over the line into the unconscionable. Like, um, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But, yeah, I think that's kind of a good way to look at it because um, that's at least a starting point to look at it. Uh, and, right. and everyone has to make their own decisions about which category different things fall into. And I think that's a really good way to put it. And it's kind of actually a good, good, good segue because the next question I wanted to ask is about, you know, is purity a, a reasonable goal? And it sounds like kind of both of us, I think to some extent it's no, because like you said, that, that humanity, um, one of the things I've been most grateful for is the people who have really emphasized in my life that any kind of like justice work, any kind of like just being awareness of the trouble in the world and wanting to do better, that self-care is still a part of it, mm -hmm. you know, and that there's an extent to which if you 
you know, and it might, you know, for some people it might be like, look, you know, watching that movie that you absolutely loved in the eighties that has some pretty problematic gender roles, but it just, it makes you smile when you've had 12 hours of a crappy world. Yeah. Maybe that's what you need to do, you know? And it's, it's that to me, I think that's one of the most important things here is that idea of how, what's the role of self care in this in terms of like, what are the things that, that like you said, they, they can bring you some joy. They can help feed your humanity because one of the things I, I see all the time is people who are trying to be so, you know, if you almost anything in the world, if you quit it cold turkey, there, there's some people who can do that. But most people, if you like just quit something entirely with no outlet, you're almost always going to go back to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And the folks I know who have just said, like, I'm never going to watch any movie again. I'm never going to watch any TV show again. Six months or six years later, maybe they're still doing that. But more likely, they're just like, all right, give me all the. Fox reality shows I can find. I don't care anymore, you know? Um, and, and so yeah. a lot of this, I think, is about how do you how, how do you able to say, like, you know, here's the stuff I love. Here's the stuff I really want to enjoy. So I, I actually do aim for purity, but I don't mean that, you know, the understanding that, that, that it's mm-hmm. not possible. Um, it's like it's the, the, yeah. the classic – really the idea is, like, you know, you always want to strive for the absolute best that you can possibly do. But you don't want to deride yourself for not achieving it because it's impossible. And I think that it's, you know, for me uh, and, you know, everyone's mileage may vary, but I think it's better to strive for perfection or purity or whatever, but understand that you will not achieve it. Right. Like so there are there are times when I mean, I'm also kind of when it comes down to it, I am kind of a cold turkey person with some things like. For example, um, when, when little when Lil Wayne recently that debacle, when Lil mm-hmm. Wayne came out in support of Trump, I I think Lil Wayne is is one of the best rappers, like literally top five best rappers of all time. He's fucking brilliant when it comes to being a rapper, but his political stances yeah. are unconscionable, and he's still alive and he's still making money from every time I listen to him on Spotify. So when that happened, it was we were done you know i sorry i can't fuck with you anymore mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe after you're gone i'll yeah. listen to your music again because like that that's that's another one of my rules like if a person is not no longer alive and they're not actually making money off of um you know off of me consuming their product then it it's basically a victimless right. crime at that point right um as long as i'm not like actively promoting it or whatever but even that you know it, it doesn't matter but for someone who is alive and who is like actively making money off of my choices, uh, especially when it is so fresh and so recent, I'm I'm happy to go cold turkey because, uh, and this is something I guess maybe we should talk about a little bit in in greater depth later. But there is so much media. There are so many artists, and I think as uh, yeah. as as both a you know as a sort of an abolitionist and a revolutionary and just a person that wants everything to be different and better, I think one of the first things we need to think about is is decolonizing and decommodifying our brains in terms of the very notion of popularity. There should be more yeah. popular things. There should be more things that have a, a, you know maybe a smaller base of fans, but 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 a, a good sized one. You know what I mean? We yeah. should have we should have millions of creators that each have thousands of fans rather than a few that just have, you know, millions, as it were. 
No, and, and definitely think, and I think that's one of the most exciting things. And, and honestly, part of what got me excited about doing this podcast is that there's just so many chances now for, you know, the smaller pieces of media for people to get excited about, you know, and just when I hear about these tiny things that are made by, um, you know, people who are not the, the white, straight, cis males who normally get to, ha- you know, control content. Yeah. And they, you can find a following, you know, with the democratization of media through the Internet, through podcasts like this. Um, can really become amazing there. Um, so let me just start with this. Can you just just, just kind of like so we're setting the frame a little bit? Uh, can you give an example of something where uh, Little Wayne I think was a good one, but but especially in terms of like a TV show or a movie, something where either you were excited about the idea of it and maybe decided not to because of stuff you heard, or something that like you really used to love and now you're you can't really watch anymore, you can't can't enjoy in the same way because of your kind of greater awareness of things, really makes you see it in a different light. Yeah. Um, a a great example of that is Ender's Game. Um, yeah. It is, I mean, it's it's brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant book, and it is such a scathing indictment of, uh, of emp- of of you know imperial thinking and war and the and the usury of the young to fulfill imperial purpose, often without their knowledge and even with their knowledge, with like you know not fully understanding the scope of what it is they're really doing and how they're really doing it. I mean, it's really a brilliant work of art, but Orson Scott Card, who is still alive, uh, is an Olympic level homophobe, and that's mm-hmm. you know, I mean, being va- you know, being somewhere in the LGBTQ uh, world, I it's like okay, why am I supporting somebody that has a problem with me as a human? Why do you? It's like you don't yeah. deserve my money. You don't deserve me like helping you to get more famous and more and more knowledgeable, and so fuck it, you know, <laughs> we're, we're we're done, we're we're done here, and uh, it, it it's it's even worse because, you know, there's a non-zero chance, and you know I have no evidence of this. I'm not saying that this is actually true. I'm not theorizing that this is actually something that happens. But there is logically a non-zero chance that what was done in Ender's Game is done to people who are literally operating drones, right? Who knows? They mm-hmm. could, they literally could put someone in the training simulation and have them actually doing real missions since they're sitting somewhere in a, in a bunker, you know, four stories, five stories down in Nevada somewhere with drones that are, that are putting flames on the backs of little children somewhere in Yemen, you know, and, 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 yeah. and would have no way of knowing. So it's, I mean, not it's timely and it's, I mean, really fantastic. But having said that, uh, I'm not reading it again. I did not see the movie, and you know, sorry, dude, mm-hmm. you gotta, <laughs> you gotta be better, yeah. and then we can talk. But otherwise, we're we're done here. And I'm very glad you brought up Arson Scott Card because, for me, him and the Ender's books actually kind of, in in different ways, show two of the different principles that I think we're talking about because. One of the things that I think we're starting to distinguish between, and we'll get to more as the podcast goes on, is like, and both these are different, but both these are important. But is what do you do when the the creator of content has ideas or or does things that you find really problematic and that you don't want to support, versus when those ideas are in the content itself? And mm. for me, Ender's Game is exactly what you're talking about. I I think it's a very good book. I think it makes some very good points. The person who created it is one I never want to support. Um, I have a battered old copy of Ender's Game that I bought 15 years ago, and I, I do still enjoy reading that book from time to time. And at some point, that 
my copy is going to fall apart and then it's just going to be done because I'm never going to buy another one. Um, yeah. But on the flip right. side, like, did you ever read some of uh, his later books in the Ender series? Or I'm sorry, specifically I, in the Bean series? I did not, no. So there are later books that follow a side character from that world in which, um, as I think unfortunately happens with a lot of authors who have very strong views, he got popular enough that he didn't have an editor anymore, and so he could start putting more of his own beliefs into the books themselves. Oh, dear. And so you have books that have a lot of the best things of Ender's Game, like great characters and dialogue and very good idea explorations, as well as some virulently homophobic concepts, you know, and, and characters who are introduced as trying to be, you know, cured of their homosexuality through science and, and just awful, awful things like that. Wow. Ender's Game is a book where I can enjoy the book, but I can't support the creator. Those later books are ones that I, I just am not going to touch the book, you know? Right. Even though there are many scenes and many characters in them I love, I just can't do it because the content itself has these things. And th that term you made about decol decolonizing our mind and our content, that's the part of it. You know, I know that I am as liberated and progressive and, you know, kind of say this word, you know, kind of uh, humorously, but as woke as I want to think I am. Right. You know, reading garbage is going to affect you no matter how much you're against it. And I... That, that So I think that you, those books are a great example of that, where you, we both get the the stuff we avoid because of the content creator and the stuff we avoid because of the content itself. Um, That's a really good uh, – yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I'm trying to think of an example of something for, where for it's like for the content itself. But uh, generally and thankfully, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff I've, I've enjoyed, the content itself has not been super problematic. But I, I'm sure if I examined that yeah. further, I would find that that is not true at all. Actually, I mean, I could, in, in terms of music, oh, oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> there is tons oh, of yeah. music that does not age well. Um, and, you know, some, some movies as well. Um, but most of my faves have, have stayed away from at least in in the major ways though of course you have to consider like sexism and racism being in america right like there's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of that in anything i mean in in pretty much anything i'm a huge karaoke guy and you know i grew up in the 80s and 90s and my jam is a lot of you know old 80s rock songs and most of the songs are ones where like i know the chorus and i know maybe like half the words of the first verse and so i'll spin it up on karaoke and then get halfway through the second verse and be like I can't sing these words. These are awful, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I hear you about the music. Yeah. Just to kind of drill a little deeper, when we talk about, like, using a critical lens or a critical eye to, to look at the media we consume and the people who create it, what, what does that mean for you? Like, what are the things that, that you're looking for? What, what does that kind of analysis mean to you? For me, having a critical eye just means watching out for things that are essentially trying to untrained me of things that I have learned and if I support them mm -hmm. will basically be doing the same for others or we'll be putting uh, or even more importantly we'll be putting people who are directly attacked by those ideas or concept uh, in the you know in the uncomfortable and or literally painful position of having to deal with those concepts right. because there's really just no reason for that especially if we're looking at a piece of media as as an as an escape, right? That's what they are, really. Is they are yeah. they are a way to make life bearable and enjoyable. In addition to all the, you know, there's the work we have to do, and then there's the things that we do to make the work worthwhile. And if you're going to things to make the work the world and the work worthwhile, 
you don't want those things to be like hitting you and you have to kind of like yeah. do damage control and and basically like suffer <laughs> suffer through uh watching or listening to etc cetera, etc cetera, these these works of art um especially if it does not serve a yeah. purpose because I, I don't believe that things should be completely sterile and anodyne I, you know you should deal with difficult concepts you should deal intentionally mm -hmm. with racism and, and sexism homophobia with you know and with, with with class concepts especially um i mean all of the above right but um you should if it's in a piece of art or if it's in something like that it should be super conscious and it should be in order to yeah. to, to to call attention to it without supporting it and to call attention to it yeah. while tearing it down, essentially. And I think that's a really good way of talking about it, especially in terms of that idea of the, the intentionality, you know, because I think, like you said, I don't want things to be sterile. I, I am very happy when a show like says, like, look, let's explore and let's ask questions about something about, you know, racism or ableism or, or queer phobia or any of those things. And if the show asks a question in an interesting way, and presents a possible answer that I disagree with. Okay, cool. To me, then that's, that doesn't make the media unwatchable. It means this media is, in, is inviting me into a conversation that I can have with it and talk about, like, how does this make me think about it, or even if I disagree with it. Absolutely. I, I think where I am often most bothered is when it feels like the thing is being done without any real recognition because it's just helping the plot or helping the idea. And to me, I think one of the best examples I can use, and especially because it's you know, really in the superhero wheelhouse that this podcast is all about, is, um, did you see the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron? I did not. Okay, so the MCU movies tend to be kind of really on the line for me of great escapism with sometimes some problematic ideas, sometimes some great ideas. Um, Ultron, though, That's I think is I one of the most them. problematic for me. <laughs> yeah, no, very understandable. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Ultron for me is, I think, one of the most problematic because it, it gets to a scene where two characters are talking about how they both feel like they are monstrous and broken. And one of them is the Incredible Hulk, and he's talking about how like he feels like he is monstrous and broken and he can't be a normal person. And the woman who he's talking to basically says that she understands and she feels monstrous and broken as well because due to the kind of uh, training she went through to become a super spy, uh, she can't get pregnant. And that, you know, that, that trope of, you know, a, a woman has to be able to get pregnant to fulfill her, you know, sort of womanly worth and, and to not have that as, um, you know, it makes someone monstrous is both incredibly problematic and also just incredibly lazy writing in some ways. Cause it's, it's just a trope you see so often. Um, yeah. and in some ways for me, that's often, that's also a part of what makes it that problematic because, you know, the idea that a particular person might feel that they are broken because of that. Like, yeah, I could see that as an interesting character part. But the way it's presented, it, it, you, that idea is seen so often and becomes such a trope that it, it becomes problematic. And it becomes like you're just repeating the same idea over and over again that, you know, anyone who might want to be able to get pregnant and can't is going to see that and feel attacked by yeah, um, that's understandable. And, and so to me, that's a kind of great example of, I, I think, what you're talking about as well, where I, I look at it, as, especially because of something you said that I really want to harp on, where you talked about, like, you know, if someone else being harmed. Um, one of the things I think is most important about that critical lens is to be able to, like, I don't I don't have the desire to be able to physically carry a, a child at some point. I don't have the, the biology for it. 
And so that scene doesn't bother me necessarily, but it's my awareness that's going to be very harmful to others that I think is important. And I think that's, for me at least, I, I, I think a very important part of the critical lens is, is not only saying, oh, this bothers me, but is being willing to listen and say, oh, okay, that didn't bother me at first, but I understand folks from this other community, it bothers them, and that matters to me. A hundred percent, yeah, that that makes total sense. I mean, yeah, it, that would have been actually a great, um, you know, like I, I didn't see the movie, but um, that would have been a great idea, mm -hmm. a great chance for them to like push back on that idea, you know, for like, and I don't know right. how he responds to her when she says it, but I'm t I take it by the way by the way that you present it that he did he did not say like that doesn't make you broken at all like <laughs> that you know what I mean that that should have been the conversation and that would have been like a great chance to push back on that like super stereotypical trope of what uh, of what womanhood means that that's like you know the the right. end goal of all womanhood is to like produce a child as if like a you know a woman is some sort of like incubator. Uh, you know, rather than like right. a whole ass, you know, human being. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not to mention all the, the transphobic parts of that, of that, you know, many women don't have the ability to, to get pregnant and, and many non-women do. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's just problematic on so many different levels. Um, so, so we have our critical lens now. And now I kind I of the next question is, so how do we make decisions? What's the, like you said, I think, I think there's no sort of easy, like, you know, uh, just, you know, equation to run it through. But when you're thinking about, like, is this a movie I want to see? Um, you talked about that kind of, like, does it get to the unconscionable level? Say more about kind of what what are the things you think about in terms of, like, are you going to watch this or are you not? Or are you going to recommend it to someone or are you not? Or are you going to spend money for it or are you not? Because I think in some of those, are, those are different levels of conversation. Totally. I'm, and I'm glad you broke the, that up like that because that is uh, one of the things I was going to say is, you know, if I'm going to be spending money on something, then my my um my criterion are much more stringent for it um if it's something mm -hmm. that i can come across for free or watch on you know youtube then i'm more likely to to give it a pass because i'm not i mean on youtube i guess you're sort of helping to monetize it um but that's like you know it, yeah. on infinitesimal like sort of levels of amount of money <laughs> you're giving it but still right. you know but um if it's something that i have to for example i don't fuck with amazon at all Right. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that Twitch is owned by Amazon and I'm newly on Twitch and I will continue to say on Twitch every time that I'm on it. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Like he's he's literally mm -hmm. the worst human being there is on the planet. And I will continue to believe that until he changes his behavior. Right. So I if I don't I don't buy anything off Amazon. I I canceled my Amazon Prime years ago and I will not willing like I don't go to Whole Foods. I don't, I don't, um, I don't share or listen to the Washington Post because, you know, I, and in every way that it is possible for me to not support giving this person money and the, you know, not and not just him, but like the, the enterprises that he've cre he's created work on an extremely rapacious model of, you know, capture mm -hmm. and they they reduce the amount that they. Put, they basically they reduce the prices of their things to they, where they're losing money, uh, to put everyone else right. out of business. And then after they're out of business, they either acquire those things and then they jack up their prices. So they fucked over both the original business and the people who are consuming from them. It's I mean it's it's like it's capitalism taken to its worst extent, and without any without apology and without conscience and also 
passed off as virtue because in this society yeah. people view things only in terms of like i i use this metaphor a lot but like these these fucking greedy people they treat they treat money as if it's the score in a video game and they're just trying to get the high score it's more money than they'll ever be able to spend there is literally no reason that any human should ac- accumulate that much money it's bad for humans it's bad for <laughs> the economy it is bad for society for there to be that amalgamation and accumulation of wealth right but yeah. but a, but yet it continues to be so in the case of it like there is stuff that i really want to see that is now now amazon is you know they put their hat into the the only on amazon prime ring uh like for example borat just came out right and as problematic mm-hmm. as sasha baron cohen can be i think overall like what he does is i mean i think he's brilliant right and i think he's he has to ride the line between problematic and good because that's kind of what he does right is that he's kind of stepping on the line in order to show like where the edges are and and kind of talk about a lot of really important things in society but i have not seen it because it is only on amazon and it is what it is right so right the one of the big things for me is being okay with not seeing something and that's yeah. just it, it it's got to just be okay that i didn't see that thing because there's so much other stuff there's so much other stuff to consume yeah. and do and create and there is i mean literally the accumulated knowledge and the, the all the works of art and all, i mean of, of humankind it's on my phone it's on my computer why am i super focused on one problematic fandom it's like you know going back to the avengers series besides the fact that the um you know, there's a few Avengers characters that I have always loved. I mean, I I, I love the Hulk character, um, and you know, I, I really love Black Cat, and um, you know, a lot. I mean, a lot of the characters are super interesting. But I mean, considering all the people who own it and all the things that go, to, and even more importantly, every single one of those movies had to get funneled through the DoD. Okay, so they are in yeah. such cahoots with the state and with our intellect, <laughs> our, our intelligence apparatus of the country that, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's gross. You're like supporting the military and supporting like the yeah. jingoistic and, and global, globally fascistic, imperialistic nature of this country by supporting these movies uncritically, right? So, I mean, and I, and I get it. If these are your favorite characters, like I'm, I'm definitely not here saying like, you should not watch these movies because especially if that's like your favorite shit and it brings you like tremendous joy, you know, but, but it's important right. to realize how many ways it's woven into the rest of the world and the way that we, the way that we work and the way that we see things. And I think that's the most important point is this idea of being aware of what, what are the consequences of the decision you're making? You know, um, cause it's funny, like the stuff you talked about, I, I do interact a little bit more with it, and but I think I think there's kind of two illustrative points there. Um, the first one you talked about, like never shopping on Amazon. I'm probably about ninety percent there, and I think I hadn't made a purchase on Amazon for probably about two years or so until um, I am in a more rural, more suburban part of the world, and you know for about six weeks um, there was really no store I could physically walk into safely. Yeah. Um, as, and, and a lot of the stuff I wanted to be able to get access to, um, you know, I couldn't get, um, and we didn't have places around here that were set up to deliver yet. And so Amazon was often the only place to get the things I needed. Um, yeah. I hated it and it was what was necessary though. And I think in part that's, I mean, uh, Logan lives in the middle of the city. I don't. 
Um, and, and so we were able in different situations to make different decisions there. Um, yeah, I just want to say that I like the less money a person has, the less I think they should mm -hmm. be blamed for certain choices because our society is set up in such a way that like, you know, if you live in a place like you do, suburban or rural, there's maybe a mall somewhere near you, but you don't have you just don't right. have the same amount of choices. So it's not fair. It's, and, and, and then you also have, you know, the issue of how much money you can spend on something, right? Someone who has money, yeah. they should take great pains and can pay a little bit more and can wait a little bit longer for their item or just pay more to get faster shipping from the actual person themselves. But a person who has very little money, right. you have to get the cheapest thing that you can get in order to, to keep going. So yeah. I think that's also important to consider is your, your, your personal role in society and your personal power and privilege level uh, also plays into how yeah. you interact with things. Yeah, and I think that's such an important thing because I do, one of the reasons why I'm always hesitant to talk about a topic like this is because you do have people who I think will often be very judgmental of other people's decisions. And often that does come from a huge place of privilege. You know, the person who can afford to eat every ingredient that they put into any food they eat is ethically sourced and uh, grown in the most possible way. Right. You know, and is judgmental of the person who shops at McDonald's because they're working three jobs, they don't have much money, and they don't have time to go shop for the ethically sourced stuff, let alone cook it, let alone clean, etc. Um, the other thing that you also brought up, though, is I, I think this question of, like, you know, do you consume something like the, the Marvel Universe? You know, um, obviously I do quite a bit. That's a big part of what we, we cover on this network um, and on this podcast specifically. But it's, I'm glad what you point out is something I've wrestled with a lot, especially because of, um, you know, the connections to Disney and all the problems that they have. Yeah. And one of the things I think, again, that you said is, like, do you consume it uncritically? You know, what, where I wind up coming down is I often wonder if I didn't have this podcast, um, would I be looking at it as much? And this is not me trying to justify it to, to anybody. It's just, I think, helpful to look at different ways of thinking about it. The way I approach it is I know these things are being talked about already. I know people are seeing these things. And so if I can get them, if, if you are already going to see them, can I create content that helps them see them in a new way and maybe have a more, you know, learn something more from them? Okay. Does that justify my, my encouraging more people to take part in something that is itself problematic? I'm not sure. But I, I think these are the kind of questions that it becomes so important to ask for each person to say, where do I sit? Where, you know, do I need to use Amazon or can I limit it more? Do I need to, um, you know, consume this content? Can I consume it in different ways uh, and all that kind of thing? Because I think for me, at least each person is going to have to figure this out for themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's just so important that you ask those questions and that you be aware of what's the stuff going on behind what I'm seeing and what I'm enjoying that maybe I don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, I do think that so for this is kind of a strange uh, analog, but just, you know, follow along for a second. Um, travel. Go for it. Travel is a thing that I think that Americans often do uncritically because it is a thing that uh, especially like, you know, middle to upper class Americans do. And they feel like it's just their right to just travel all over the world and they do it uncritically and they are supporting a lot of shit, which I think is is pretty being straight up bad but also just weird and we consume yeah. other cultures as if they are for example fandoms rather than like this is a place where people live and where there's history and where there's 
problems that we might be contributing to and you know like going to a place where there is tremendous poverty just to take a few selfies in front of you know some old building like i i find that's highly problematic right but if you're going to mm -hmm. those places in order to talk about those things and like it is part of your life's work i think that that something being a part of the way that you're interacting with the world at large especially if you're doing it in a way that educates and or elucidates like how things are working i think it's i don't think that's a justification right i mean i guess in some ways you know it is in the in the most um you know in the most over critical way of looking at it sure it could be seen as a justification but you know if you're really like on this podcast if you're actually talking about all of the social and political and societal underpinnings of something you are bringing a more critical eye to those who might not have been looking at it with a critical eye in the first place. And that overall, I mean, that's a net good. I can't see how that's not yeah. uh, an unalloyed net good. So I think it is important to consider what you're doing with, you know, it, it's like if you're, if you're just watching, you know, Ben Shapiro because you like Ben Shapiro, like that's problematic as fuck. But if you're going to watch Ben Shapiro and then like, debunk every single thing he says which is pretty easy and wouldn't take that long uh it, it, it's still it's, that's a much better you know that you actually might be doing something for society hey listen he came out very critical of trump last night and my head exploded so you know, like, <laughs> you know but yeah I, I very much get the point there this truly is the weirdest timeline uh it's like that meme where like um they're like you know your head's exploding because the worst person in the world just made a point you agree with mm-hmm let me ask you this, and there's a question kind of specific to you personally, but it's one I know that you've thought about a lot. Logan is a name I know that you chose for yourself in large part because, if I remember correctly, and this is my memory from 20 years ago, wow, we're old, but um, <laughs> is because of how much you, you enjoy the character of, of Logan, of Wolverine from the X-Men. Um, Close to X-Men now being very much part point. of the – oh, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I would I'd love to hear you kind of talk a little bit about that in terms of like – what that character meant to you at that younger age and how your feelings either have or haven't changed and evolved um, as you've kind of learned much more about the universe that, that X-Men and, and Marvel and all that inhabit. So, uh, so the name Logan, it comes from, uh, it does come from that character. And that was, uh, and I would say probably still is one of my favorite characters though. Like uh, we've parted ways uh, like long, long ago at this uh -huh. point. Um, but it also was from just, you know, Sometimes you hear a name and you're like, that's my name. Uh, and it just happened to yeah. also be a character that I, that I, you know, that I really enjo enjoyed because I was dealing with some of the same concepts um, at that point in my life. I mean, I was, I was about, I was like 13 when I decided to change my name and the process of doing so uh, was, you know, it was a long, long process. You know, it was, it was, I think another 10 maybe 15 years before it legally became my name. But, um, right. yeah, I don't... It, it's kind of like someone who was your friend at one point, but then they go in a different direction, and that's okay. You know? you, you I, don't, yeah. I don't believe in... I, it's like I'm friends with most of my exes because even if they... Most of them, you know, with maybe one or two exceptions, right, are... Were, they were good people. They're just people with whom I shouldn't. I shouldn't have been dating them anymore. Right? We 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 went in different yeah. directions. We were together for a reason, and then we we separated. And that is how I feel about 
of that character and the fan. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not really even drawn to still follow the character or anything like, or anything like that. So I don't really feel that conflicted. Uh, I remember actually when I did, we did the, the Logan on Logan episode of this podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I like had to do some, some end runs around supporting Fox in order to do it. Um, but, yeah. uh, that was, yeah. But I mean, you know, it, it's something that is behind me at this point and I am grateful to, but don't really feel any connection mm-hmm. to. And also, um, I think the very first time I heard the name was, um, I think in, um, uh, uh, the, the remember the babysitters club those books oh think, god yeah that i think character it was the was... name of someone's <laughs> boyfriend hilarious. yeah uh, it, and it was and of course you know that was at the time especially as i was grappling with the 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 nascent stages of like gender and sexuality i was not about to be like oh yeah the first time i heard this was like some girl's book that i like secretly read on the down low <laughs> like, uh, so you know the, the going for wolverine was the much more butch way to put it and also just like the name of a, it's a name of a lot of things whatever um so yeah, yeah that, that is an, an interesting uh an interesting question but i yeah the it, the long and short of it is i don't feel the need to uh i don't feel the need to keep supporting something just because it was important even seminal to some of the ways that I have grown as a human. There, there are times when you say goodbye yeah. and that's totally okay. Yeah. And I, I think that's helpful, especially because I think some of the places where this becomes most problematic is that stuff that we really enjoyed before we had developed a critical lens or maybe before we had, yes. you know, decided that the critical lens would be a really important part of how we consume media. And, and now later we're sort of like, can I still go back and enjoy this? Um, are, are, I know you talked about that kind of that can be one reason why a person like makes the decision to watch something that's not unconscionable, but is still not great because of that nostalgia factor. Are there things for you that are still in that like particular fandoms or books or things like that or, or movies or TV shows that are, you know, they're not great, but they brought you so much joy at, at earlier parts in your life and they still can bring you some of that joy? Um, so <laughs> I was thinking about that. You know, Asterix the Gaul. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Um, I loved Asterix the Gaul as a kid. It was like, it was one of my most favorite uh, stories and fandoms and whatever. And it was only later on, and especially the the cartoon movies they made of it, where the, just the out of control racism of it. And it was like, you Mm -hmm. know, like all of the black characters are these like, bumbling moronic like you know over with like these these cartoonish africanized features and they're like always sort of the comic relief etc uh, etc et and um you know i i think i i mean i have a couple of asterisk books still it's not like i'm gonna throw them out you know what i mean but um and uh, i mean and in some ways asterisk was less racist than like say tintin that was even worse Right. I was gonna say, yeah, Tintin to me is, is very much of the same variety, but even more so. Yes, even even more so. Um, but that's something I think of it, and yeah, you know. But but occasionally I'll read it because it's. I mean, it's it's really it's it's great, right? The stories are great, and yeah. it's really funny, and it's it's clever, and and all that sort of thing. So, um, that is one that I still go back to, even though it is like it is really it's like riding the line of problematic, uh, and unconscionable. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it stays on the side of, of highly problematic rather than shifting into unconscionable because that's not, like, the main focus of it, 
you know, it's just right. a, a thing that happens to be, you know, it happens to be in there, uh, unfortunately. Mm. For me, I think the piece of content that really is in that same world is the original movie Ghostbusters. Um, I really enjoyed the new one that came out. When it did, it, it made me think like, oh, I want to go watch the original with Bill Murray and remember how much I loved that movie. And I hadn't seen it in many, many years. Um, and it was just as – and I remember watching it with a partner of mine who hadn't seen it before. And the funny parts that I remembered were still amazing, and the the the, the comedy slash action of it was fantastic, and the special effects were cheesy and ridiculous <laughs> and great to watch. And the plot of Bill Murray being a straight-up stalker in order to get a girl to like him mm. and showing you that the girl liked him because she was a, he was a stalker. I mean, I was embarrassed watching that part with, with my friend, you know? And especially, in, in some ways, it was actually really illustrative to me of some of uh, of how, in this particular case, toxic masculinity can really sink in. Yes. Because I remember being 16 or 17 and thinking, if I just do one more grand gesture, the yes. girl will like me. Yes. And watching that movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder where I learned that, you know? It's from movies like this. And I haven't thought about, about that. About a year I later, I was like— In a long time. Yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked watching it, and like a year later, I really got a hankering to see some of the funny scenes in it again, and I watched it, and I kept the fast forward button with me, and I just fast forwarded through all those romantic right, scenes because right. I couldn't watch that again, you know. <laughs> and I think I think that's a those are great examples of the way this can happen, you know. I think the things that hit us as kids, like it's not wrong to still enjoy those things, but 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 it's important to kind of be you know to at least be able to think about it and be aware of like oh. What lesson did, it, did this teach me that maybe I should be trying to unlearn, try to get this these ideas out of my brain? Because, you know, I think that for me, the reason why media criticism like this podcast is so important, um, that makes my podcast sound very self-important. I think we're a very small part of this, <laughs> this idea. But the reason why it's so important to be critical of stuff is exactly that, you know, is like we don't learn to be racist because someone comes up and tells us, you know, black people are going to be drug dealers. It's because every TV show we have shows us, you know, black person yes. as a drug dealer. Yes. You know, we don't learn to be sexist because – and so I think it's why it's so important to be able to say, like, yeah, I still enjoy this. Um, I, I think I, on a, one of my first episodes of this podcast, I talked about the movie Desperado, um, which is still oh, one yeah. of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. And it's a movie in which a person just slaughters people <laughs> by the dozens <laughs> because they happen to work for a drug dealer. Right, you right, know? right. And if you think about it, probably every one of the people he kills is just too poor or too not having other opportunities. And so they go to work for this drug dealer just to put food on their table. See also like, Batman. You shouldn't be cheering them being murdered. What are you saying? See also Batman. Oh, yeah, Batman. The older I get, the worse Batman <laughs> yeah. gets. Like, I, I used to love Batman. I mean, I guess I could I could put that on the list of of characters that I used to really be into. And now I'm just like, no, you're, the, you're literally the enemy. Uh, my, yeah. what, there was a great meme going around where it was like, you know, Batman, you could do a lot more for Gotham by just paying your fucking taxes <laughs> than <laughs> so running true. around, you know, breaking the limbs of poor people and, like, the, the couple of supervillains that there happen to be. But, like, that, that's literally most of what Batman does is beat up, yeah. like, low-level criminals for practice. And Batman, I think, is a really interesting example especially because um, – you know, and Paul and I, when we're on, uh, when he's on the podcast, he and I have talked about this a bunch of times, in, especially in our media, is that oftentimes there's things that we wish our characters would do, but they're not good. They don't look good on film in the way that the movie makers think they want, you know? And in some of the most recent um, movie versions of Batman, 
they have made reference to the fact that Batman is using huge amounts of his uh, wealth to try and help, you know, address income disparities in the city or deal with, you know, uh, populations. But the fact is, you know, 100 million people will pay to watch Batman punch the Joker. Right. They won't pay to watch him, like, you know, do a ribbon-cutting ceremony on a new, you know, drug addiction center. Right, um, right. And, and I think that's that's part of the issue is, like, how does the media we watch, like, make these choices to say, here's what we're going to show you and what we're not? Because, um, yeah, I, I get that. Batman's a character who I definitely get very defensive about and then have to be like, no, this is this is true. He's a, he's a rich billionaire playing cop out there, and this is not good. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I really <laughs> – I mean, Batman is I, – I, I, now I think of him as a, a problematic fave. I was going to say, the one thing I would, I would add to that is I think what's most important to me is – does the does the creator of the content realize the problematicness of what they're doing? One one character who I've really wrestled with, especially in some of the more the new TV versions of him, is the Punisher. Ooh. I I started as a like I when I first got introduced to Justice ideas, I was very much in a pacifist mindset of like nonviolence is always the answer and vengeance is always evil and this kind of thing. And I've I've really grown from grown through that, especially in the last couple of years, and understanding like the importance of you know. That, that telling people that they can only fight for justice in certain ways can be really problematic and very colonial. Yeah, um, it's true. But I still I, I look at – I still have a lot of problems with revenge fantasy, you know, and that so much of Punisher seemed that way to me. Um, hmm. Until I read in uh, an interview that's now gone around a lot um, with the creator of the Punisher where he was very clear that he meant for the Punisher to be an antihero, that you're supposed to both – cheer him on and then also feel kind of dirty for doing that because you were right. sort of like, eh, I, I don't love that he's doing these things. It's not good, you know? And that to me makes, that also is, is a very important thing to me of like, when, when is the writers and when are they showing us that the things the characters are doing, that the writers know they're problematic and they want us to wrestle with, why do we enjoy watching this? You know? And, and what does that make yeah. us think? Um, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. And the Punisher is, a, is, highly problematic for me uh for a lot of the same reasons that batman is but even more just because of the whole like you know it's it's kind of like it's sort of like a white dude revenge fantasy and like he's the sort of character who could be like it's one of those things where it's like who is enjoying this right so the fact that cops have chosen the punisher logo as one of their main logos like the one of the main things you'll see cops with on yeah. their cars and shit is the Punisher logo with like the thin blue line through it, and that's the reason that I'm like fucking hell. Like you know, it, it, you, you got to be a lot more explicit about a character like Punisher, yeah. Because 100% the wrong people are taking the wrong messages from this, right? And it's like, you know, who are the people who are most often the Punishers? victims right and and how much yeah. like that character always has really written the line for me um you know even before i realized why he rubbed me the wrong way so much because there is a part of it that appeals to me as a person who you know i do in some ways believe in you know righteous vengeance and there are some things that uh from you know a a, a black character or from a queer character or from um even like a, a white female character, I could take more than I would take it from Punisher. But yeah. but it's like it has to be done extremely critically because of the world we have. And I think in, you know, in the final analysis as, as it regards Punisher, 
like the person the creator i think needs to make some strong statements and be like hey police like no no you know you can't fucking have punisher you can't have him right he's what is funny that the the interview i was uh talking about is exactly that it's the the creator specifically is calling out cops who who use that logo and saying like they totally misunderstand it. Yeah, I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes and show it to you because it's... Yeah, please do. But it also raises a good question because it's a, you know, creator intent I think really matters. But also, like, if I put something out there that's meant to be a satire of a terrible thing and I write it knowing it's a satire and I say later that it's a satire, but lots of people who watch it don't get that it's a satire and just love the problematic thing that I was trying to be satirical about. Yes. I haven't done my job as a creator, you know? I call that the, the, and, the and family so guy that, phenomenon. Go ahead. Mm, I've never seen that show, so tell me more. Uh, so family guy, it I mean, sometimes it's, it's often very, very funny. But a lot of the time it makes these ridiculously racist and or sexist jokes that are, I mean, sometimes they're funny. And, and you know, to hear Seth MacFarlane tell it, he is lampooning the people who are making them. But he's also teaching people new jokes, right? It's like it's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're you end up teaching people new racial slurs and new fucked up things to say about women, and like people can be enjoying it uncritically, like it's on you, it's on you to to, yeah. to pull back on it. And I'm I think I think he has in some ways, but it's one of those shows that they they cross the line way 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 too often, and. It's sometimes mm-hmm. it's, I mean, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes it's in good faith, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure some are good people, but uh, by and large, <laughs> it's, it, it just happens way too much. And uh, that's why yeah. like Family Guy, I, I, I can't, I can't with Family Guy. And he did a little bit better of a job with American Dad. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane is one I have very mixed feelings on because I, I you don't always know, like, I can't look into his head and I don't know what happens in the writer's room of, of Family Guy by any means. But what has become probably my favorite Star Trek show, at least in the last like 20 years or so, is Seth MacFarlane's creation, The Orville, which at first seemed like it was a satire of Star Trek. But then you realize it's really just a love letter to Star Trek. Hmm. And a very funny thing happened because in the first five episodes, it has a lot of the Family Guy type humor. And... It doesn't quite cross the line into some of the stuff you're talking about, but still is not great. And it's more kind of like scatological humor and just kind of frat boy nonsense that I'm really comfortable with. Um, and then, and, and he has talked about this in interviews, about episode six or so, the people who had put the show on, the, the network and stuff, said, okay, you've proven to us this is a thing. Do whatever you want. At which point the show takes a hard left turn and starts being like, Family Guy humor, but in a much more aware way, um, where almost none of the problematic stuff like that comes up. And when it does, it's very clearly talked about. Right. Um, and one of my favorite examples of this is there's an episode in which um, an alien comes onto the ship and is very seductive and causes a number of people on the ship to want to um, sleep with the alien, including the captain, played by Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. And the alien presents as a male gender. Um, and... All of the crew, like, totally makes fun of the captain for sleeping with this alien, you know, and after he had said, like, you know, I would never fall for it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They never once mention in any way the gender of the alien or, and that that's in any way part of what they should be making fun of. 
and and the humor is very clearly not in any way about that. It's just hmm. about you thought you were the one who could resist this and you didn't. Uh, that, and I remember that's watching good. that episode and thinking, this is such easy. This is the most low hanging fruit a Seth MacFarlane could ever find. Um, and and I think he talked about it later in an interview that he made a very conscious decision, like he didn't want to go in that direction. He wanted to to show that you could have fun with the situation without it being about the gender at all. Um, and and so I don't I don't. Part of me is like, is Seth MacFarlane this you know tortured artist who has all these great ideas, but but the networks keep making him do things? Is he someone who is saying? I'll happily produce racist garbage if then they let me do the stuff I want to do, which then is like, I, I, that's not a justification for the stuff you're yeah. creating. Um, you know, it's such a confusing thing, but I think he's, I'm glad you brought it up because I think he's such an interesting example of someone who like, if I just watched Family Guy, I'd probably never want to watch his stuff again. Right. If I just watched Orville, I'd have no idea he's creating this other stuff. You know, it's so divergent. Uh, I, I feel like he is, Um, I mean, you know, with again, without knowing what's in his head, I feel like he is... I think of him kind of like I think of a lot of well-meaning liberals, right? Like he, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's a, a by nature a bad guy, and I think that he did not realize at at when he was doing Family Guy the damage that it could likely do, and that like you know people on the left and the right uh, and the deep right could be enjoying it, um, and I, I feel like there is, I think it's important to realize that no matter what a person is an American. <laughs> If you're an American, your acculturation has largely been terrible. It's like we were talking about earlier with yeah. um, with Ghostbusters. Like every, I mean, every basically person who is acculturated male thinks or thought uh, growing up that the way to get someone's attention, get to get a, a, a girl's or woman's attention, is to pursue her weirdly. You know that was yeah. that was that was like that was the thing to do. Right. It was to not take no for an answer. It was to be super persistent. It was to do these weird grand gestures. And, you know, all like that was that was literally what they told us and taught us to do. And not just in movies and Mm -hmm. in film and in TV, but like even even at home. You know what I mean? Like that. That's 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 the kind of thing that we were taught. So it's important to meet people where they are. And it's important to have compassion for the way Mm -hmm. that people are educated. But. And it seems to me that you're, by what you're saying, that he has had an evolution that, uh, that you know, that you love to see, right? But um, yeah. I, I would need to see more of it, too. You know, and I mean, like, like I was going to say earlier, American Dad, he does a better job of lampooning some things without crossing the line, though it's still a little bit iffy, right? Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's better than Family Guy was. It's like a, a step more evolved, though, like not nearly evolved enough. Um, so I will probably have yeah. to check out this uh, Orville, as you say, and not confuse it with anyone who makes popcorn. I'll send you links to some of the particular episodes and see what you think. Um, Please I think some of it is it does some some of what I love most about science fiction in terms of exploring ethical stuff, but it also you know has some problematic stuff. The, the last yeah. thing I wanted to comment on is that I do think it's also for me one of the things that is very important is thinking about my own particular place in things and. When it's important to kind of trust my gut and when it's important to listen to others. You know, I talked earlier about the need to sort of think about who does this, who does this affect in ways that it doesn't. But the other part of it is I, I think is I think I'm much more comfortable hearing about someone who's part of a community that's being not treated well, being comfortable making that decision than someone who's outside of that. Um, and I'll give you an example. I'm a disabled person. I um, have a prosthetic leg and I use a wheelchair quite a lot. 
I have such a hunger for any kind of content that feeds into, you know, that, that represents disabled folk that there's some stuff that I will watch that is really bad in some other ways. And um, because it, it just is, it's, it's some kind of disabled representation and I want there to be more, but I'm not, um, you know, but I'm, I'm, uh, but it's just not there yet. Um, yeah. And on the flip side, I think there's some stuff that I, I am not probably comfortable taking part in, but I know other folks who would say like, look, I, I'm part of the group that is, that is critiqued by this. Um, this is outside of media, but just as one example, like, um, I, you know, I haven't shopped, I haven't had any food from a Chick-fil-A in years. Cause you look at like the horrible things they do and, and, and I'm not comfortable with it. Um, and I'm someone who's on the queer spectrum, but has an awful lot of het privilege and cis privilege and stuff like that. And a couple months ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and she kind of made an offhand comment about, um, you know, never shopping, never eating food at Chick-fil-A. And this person is a um, person of color, queer person in rural Georgia. And she was talking about how her and most of her queer community go to Chick-fil-A all the time because that's one of the only options for them. Yeah. And, you know, and, and part of what she said is, look, we're the community that's being attacked by this. This is what we decide. Like, fuck off to anybody who's going to tell us we're wrong. And I, I can understand exactly where she's coming from. She's talked about how, like, white, straight liberals have often tried to tell her she's wrong for that, you know? And it's... Right. I think that's just one more important concept is, like, where you personally sit in regard to the oppression that's being, like, either uh, critiqued or, or reified has to be an important part of this conversation for you. Uh, I agree hun- uh, 100%. I mean, yeah. And and that this is where intersectionality comes into it as well because, like, we're also talking about the class right. thing of, like, you know, they have no choice of what restaurants are near them. And if, like, that's the chicken place that is affordable and nearest to where they are, then, like, you know, they can either not have it or they can go to Chick-fil-A, right? I think that's um, – there's a, a comedian named Fortune Feimster who talks about the, the Chick-fil-A conundrum. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's a, she is a lesbian comedian, and she's like – I uh, I won't repeat her jokes. You can find them yourself. But um, – yeah, I think it's important to consider all of those things. And I do think that, yes, people who are in the group that is aggrieved, so to speak, uh, do get more of a pass in, you right. know. And, and I mean, it's not even a pass. It's just like it's their choice to make how they interact right. with something. Um, I think it's actually more incumbent upon – I mean, just like, you know, it's more incumbent on people who have money not to support those Chick-fil-A's, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's incumbent upon straight people – who live in those areas, not to support the Chick-fil-A. If the Chick-fil-A goes away and is replaced with something else, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be on like just, uh, you know, gay people or people on the LGBTQ spectrum to deal with it. Just like, you know, issues of racism are not for black people to solve. They are for white people to solve. And that is like one of the big things that that as a society we need to get uh, just, you know, just briefly touching on the election, like, you know, 55% of white women, uh, is the most recent count without all the votes being counted, and um, of mm. white women voted for Trump again, which is more than fucking last time, right? And and we're not even going to yeah. get into how many white men it was, right? This is and 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 then and but the conversation is always around like who people of color voted for and who leftists voted for and who like smaller groups voted for, and it's like the problem is the call is coming from inside the house. It's you motherfuckers. You deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's such an important. Uh, I think that's such an important point. I think it really shows how this isn't, you know, the lessons that we learn in thinking about what's the media we consume 
it touches everything in our life, you know? Yes. Um, and it's kind of one thing wrap, wrapping up that topic I, I think you'll appreciate. A good friend of mine who, who I often talk a lot with about how do we make uh, decisions about what content we, we create and stuff like that, he will often sort of mention in conversations about this, Ender Wigan is a chicken sandwich. Um, you know, kind of connecting all this top stuff about Ender's Game with Chick-fil-A debate. And, you know, because it's all the same thing. You know, it's all the, the same question of like, what's the joy it brings you and what's the harm it's doing? Um, and, and how do you balance that? Uh, that's a great way to put it. Um, so this has been an awesome conversation. Um, you know, I have had, uh, I am, I have really enjoyed getting to just sit and talk with you and, and for most part have been uh, completely not wanting to just, you know, religiously check the, the news feed every two minutes to see what the uh, uh, infinitesimal changes in the vote count in Georgia and North right. Carolina have been, but we should probably start wrapping up. Is there any kind of last comments you want to make, though, or uh, thoughts on this topic that we haven't got to touch on or pieces of media you want to discuss? Um, no, I am, of course, tempted to talk more about the election situation, but I will leave that for another conversation since that is uh, a much longer topic. Um, I will say that uh, just as a general message, um, at referring to something I said earlier, don't feel the need to support you don't have to support Marvel. There's like go on Patreon and look for artists who are creating. Give your money to someone yeah. who is up and coming, right? Support someone who needs it. They don't need your money. They will be fine. They're, they, I mean, you know, they literally get operational support from, from the Department of Defense uh, to make, you know, big action movies and even the superhero movies, right? The, the, the people who have power and money will be fine. And as a society, we have this, this weird obsession with giving our attention to the people on the top you know the people who it's like one famous uh, musician will have millions of people and like if something happens to them poor ass people will be trying to give them money to help them out when they don't fucking need it right but the person who lives in your neighborhood <laughs> you're not supporting yeah. so 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 decommodify and decolonize your notion of who gets to create because what we need is we need more artists we don't need future uh, Future. We do, we do need a future. We need more artists, not fewer artists. <laughs> we need, we a, need future a future with, with more, more artists. artists, exactly. Yeah. And we and that's only going to happen if we start being more conscious about how we give our attention and how we give our money, because the future is going to be dark, and we need more art than we need anything else. And that also includes decolonizing your mm -hmm. own ideas about your own art and whether or not it's worthy, and whether or not you should be making money, and yeah. whether or not you should you should get your get a patreon if you have two patrons right just to, just to keep you going just do it because we do need to take control over all aspects of our lives from i mean from essentially the overculture right and that includes art in all its forms and i, I want to yeah. see more superheroes created by somebody who lives down the block from me right even if you don't have the money to get the best inks and the best programs like if you've got a great story like let me hear it yeah. No, I, I think that's so relevant. And like, you know, I, I, I do see some reasons to, st to stick with Marvel. And I know that's more on what I side, but I think the points you're making are completely legitimate. And I think this kind of analysis is what everyone should go through. I, I'll just throw out a quick plug for what I think of as one of the most like self-aware and non-problematic pieces of superhero media that I've seen in the last probably decade uh, and, and made by kind of independent creators who just were able to get, get through to Netflix. Um, and that was the remake of she that came out uh, about a year ago, uh, a couple of been a couple of seasons now. Did you ever see no, it? No, but I will watch it immediately if you say it's good. I loved Shiro when I was a kid. 
the creator explicitly said that she wants you to assume that no one in the show is straight unless told otherwise. <laughs> um, there is amazing racial diversity. There's amazing gender diversity. There are characters who are like there's a shape shifting character who is like a, a, a changeling kind of a person. And, you know, because they can change between any kind of species, color, gender, they everyone refers to them with third person with, with a they pronouns. Nice. And that includes people who are like, oh, my great God, that person is so awesome to people who are like they came in and they destroyed our plans and we have to hunt them down and kill them. But they still use that, awesome. you know, and it's just it's little things like that. But it's there are people of different sizes. There's people with different ability levels. It is I think it is one of the I'm sure there's some problematicness to it. And I'm also sure that anytime something problematic is spotted, if someone pointed it out to the author, the author immediately was like, cool, thank you for letting me know. I'm going to try and fix that next season. Nice. Um, so yeah, definitely something I would highly, highly recommend. I'm on it. Well, Logan, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, uh, you've been on a couple podcasts before, but I know you've started doing a lot more creating since then. Um, for my listeners uh, who want to know more, how can they find you? How can they find uh, more places to listen to your thoughts and see what you're up to? Okay, so I have the, the Focused on Infinity podcast, uh, and that is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, MixCloud, basically any of the places where you can stream podcasts. Um, I'm on Instagram at Focused on Infinity, and I'm on Twitter at Watcher Infinite. And also you can support my Patreon, which is a repository of, of basically of all the things I do. I mean, I'm, I'm doing music, I'm doing the podcast, and also I'm uh, teaching people how to create um, small space farms in, in urban areas, really anywhere, um, container farming, because I think that um, one of the big overarching concepts of my existence is taking control back from the, from the larger systems into our own hands, and that includes everything down to food production. Um, and my Patreon is, you know, patreon.com slash focused on infinity. Um, and also you can, you know, follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash focus on infinity. Focused on infinity is basically where you'll find me all over the internet. Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, I'm definitely going to be hitting you up for some of the stuff about um, the food stuff. Um, I have long been someone who tries to can as much as I can because I really want to, you know, take take produce the couple of weeks and it's really at the height of the season and just be able to, you know, put it in situations where I can have it again and again and again and share it with people without having to kind of like, you know, buy produce that's been shipped halfway around the world and stuff oh, yeah. like that. But to me, the next step of it is being able to grow it myself. Um, and I just moved into a place where we get a backyard and next spring, we thought we would do it this spring. It turned out this spring was yeah. a little busy with you know, a couple of things happening. <laughs> oh, wow, what happened? But um, next spring, I know we definitely want to do some gardening. So I will definitely be hitting you up about how to do that kind of stuff. So please do. Uh, to fans. What's your take on this? Um, you know, some of you may not really be thinking about this much in terms of uh, content. Is this uh, change that for you at all? Some of you may be being very critical about what you do consume or what you don't. Is there stuff that um, you might, you know, want to defend more that we talked about? Or is there stuff that we talked about that we still watch that you think is completely unwatchable? Let us know. Um, I'm always here for those conversations. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Superhero Ethics. So if you go to that website, uh, strandedpanda.com. Uh, click on Superhero Ethics. You'll find all the ways to uh, contact me, get in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Love to keep this conversation going. And also on that website, you'll find all the other great podcasts, some that I'm a part of, some that other people are, are a part of, that really dive deep into fan conversation about all these different universes, Marvel, DC, um, uh, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, all these sort of interesting things that are, that are worth checking out. So 
Please check all those out. Definitely check out Focused on Infinity. Great content Logan's producing. And thank you so much, and have a great day.